0: Okay, James. Josh and I are both recording, and we're going to clap so that you know when to, when to merge them at the count of three after three. One, two, three. So welcome, everyone. Uh, I have with me tonight um, stepping in for Scott Macklin, who is currently on his honeymoon, Hopefully he's having an awesome time in Hawaii, and then he is on to Japan, so quite the trip for him. Uh, but the show must go on. So tonight I have Josh Meltzer sitting in with me. This is your host, Micah Lewis-Kraus, uh, and this is the third episode of the Doin' Lines
1: podcast. So welcome, Josh. How are you doing tonight? Thanks a lot. Very happy to be here. Got big shoes to fill, but I'll try. Uh,
0: so tonight we were, we're thinking we are going to do something a little bit different than we did before. Uh, We don't necessarily have new football content uh, since the season still hasn't started, and I'm still recovering from Scott wiping the floor with me last week uh, when we guessed the lines. So what we're going to do this week is change the topic a little bit, start by getting some of Josh's thoughts on the current state of football, on some of his predictions, um, and then we'll move into uh, some other stuff. Um, But without further ado, let's start, Josh. Why don't you give me your thoughts Coming into this season, you're a big Patriots fan. Obviously, that's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So why don't you give me some of your thoughts on the Patriots, on football in general, how you see this season shaking out? Uh, yeah, go for it. All
1: right, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season, I think. Um, I know everyone hates hearing about the Patriots, so I will keep it short, because if I were not a Patriots fan, then I would also definitely hate the Patriots. Um You know, I think it's clear that the Patriots' run is going to have to end at some point soon. I think many people, including me, thought that it was going to be last year. Um, And so I feel like we're mostly, you know, playing on borrowed time now. And so I'm coming in with low expectations uh, for the season because it certainly feels like at any moment things are going to drop off. And I sort of expect that when it happens, they will drop off pretty fast. Um, So... You know, if the Patriots do well again this year, I will be obviously happy about it. Um, But I'm ready for them to disappoint and to return to the football wilderness of my youth.
0: Uh, Just a curious question. I know that in the past, um, maybe there was some controversy within your family about uh, whether or not watching football was going to happen on a weekly basis given that they won the Super Bowl again last year, is is that sort of the same situation this year? Is there a little bit more tolerance for it since they've been so good? Or what are we, where, how are we seeing things go into the season?
1: Yeah, not really. I mean, certainly, you know, my wife is has really soured on football. And I'll be honest, like, I think that the, um, you know, I still like watching the Patriots. I, you know, get excited about the playoffs. Um, but, you know, and we can talk about this a little more as we go on. But, you know, I do think that both for me and for a lot of other people, there are a lot of other aspects of the league that are, you know, a lot more difficult to stomach now. I think the, I mean, obviously the concussion stuff has been going on. I think the the Kaepernick stuff um, and just the fact that the, um, the owners of the teams, you know, with the Patriots at the top of that list are basically, you know, Oh, shitheads. <laughs> and so I think that that, you know, it does, I think, color my views a little bit of football. And so as much as I still enjoy, you know, watching football, I think that there's that overlay that I think, you know, there are issues in other leagues, too. But I think there's a convergence of a lot of those things in football that, um, you yeah, know, that certainly... Colors my view of, of the season as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. So actually, that that's a good segue. So what I wanted to talk about kind of more broadly tonight uh, was uh, I want to think about all the sports. And we can start with football. But, um, you know, the, I feel like the sports landscape has changed dramatically uh, really recently with with how prevalent social media is. Uh, with the fact that a lot of these guys are kind of bigger-than-life superstars, um, how much money they make. Uh, you know, there's are tons of factors that make professional sports right now pretty different than even, say, 25 years ago. Forget about, like, 100 years ago. It's a completely different thing. Um, and so one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on, when we'll cover each sport in, individually, was, you know, thinking about what is the best thing each sport has going for it? What's the worst thing each sport has going for it? And then... Where do we think these sports are going to be in, in say, 50 years? Um, Because I I think that if you took someone who was a big sports fan, say the 60s, and you drop them into today, um, that they would look at professional sports and not recognize them. I think that they would see, obviously, some of the similarities in in terms of rules and and each game and so on, some of those basic uh, pieces. But there would be so much that's different. Um, that they almost wouldn't even know what sport they're watching. Um, and I, I think they would have a lot of trouble comprehending the fact that the, the sports cycle is 24 hours a day, 65 days a year, that there's really no separation now. So that's just an example. But I wanted to think about where we are now and then uh, where we might be down the line. So let's start with football. Um, you mentioned some of the obvious stuff, some of the obvious problems that football has, um, yet we still we love it. And I've said this before in the podcast, but I find myself uh, more excited for this season than I think I've ever been for any professional football season, which is crazy to me. Um, With each year, I I, I feel like I'm I'm more into it. I'm more into the players. I'm more into the projections, Um, and and I I do feel like a hypocrite. Um, But yeah. So what what do you think? Why, Why is that? What does football have that makes it so dominating? Um,
1: in our our lives as sports fans today? I think one piece of it is, I think the structure of the season, the fact that, you know, it's only 16 games, that they're all, you know, or at least mostly on Sundays and then Monday night, that there's much more of a sort of people coming together to watch particular games and that the games are high stakes because there aren't that many of them. And, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to baseball especially, but really any of the other sports that, you know, the regular season games just don't matter that much in a lot of other sports. And people don't have this sort of communal experience of everybody watching together. And I think that there's this aspect of, you know, football being on Sundays on a weekend, there being a tradition for a lot of people. You know, That's what they do on, on Sunday afternoons. The games, you know, mattering more because there aren't as many. And so I think that especially in an era when um, you know, with Netflix and everything else that people are watching things on their own time, that there's not sort of we're all sitting together and watching stuff. And I think there's a there's an aspect of that for football that um, I think is more true than other sports.
0: Is there anything about the, the game itself? do You think that, that that is pulling people in more, like whether it be the length of it, the rules of it? the type of people who play it, the type of attachment to to social media, kind of the knowledge of individual folks versus the team. I don't know. Is there anything?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, mean, obviously, like, there's a lot of draw in terms of the gameplay, in terms of how that's changed over the last few years. Um, I mean, I think one thing is also just that, obviously, college football is such a big um, operation and something that a lot of people care about and then it's sort of feeding into the, NFL and then you have you know high school football in a lot of places that that is big too and so there's sort of this whole um just sort of transition of a lot of the players and some of the coaches that people care about that are just sort of moving through the the whole system I'm going to throw something out
0: there that could be like totally silly but do you think there's anything to the idea that football's growing popularity is somehow a rebuttal against sort of the growing like you know PC kind of uh, me too um, not not to trivialize or or condemn any of it but basically that like football seems to be like this one kind of outlet where uh and I'm doing this in air quotes but masculinity can kind of shine through without any anything standing in its way is, is there a piece of that do you think where like guys are just kind of like uh, yeah, nothing's going to nothing's gonna get in the way of my football. I don't know.
1: I think it's possible, but I don't know that football's really growing in popularity. I mean, my sense is over the last few years that basketball has, you know, picked up popularity at the expense of football, and especially the whole, the idea of, like, which sport is a sort of 365-day sport where everybody cares about, you know, in the off-season, everybody's talking nonstop about the sport. I sort of feel like basketball is... They're a little more now than football. I mean, people obviously still care a ton about football. Um, but, you know, like, I, I think there's, I think there are a lot of people for whom, you know, they don't want, um, you know, people view sports as an escape from real life, you know, and they, and I get it, that people don't want to feel like they need to be necessarily be thinking about Politics and thinking about other issues when they just want to sit down and, and watch football. And so I think I I totally understand that impulse and that makes sense. And I certainly view sports as an escape too. And I think it's just it's been um, I think with football in particular it's just been harder because sort of on both sides for coming from all angles the the games being you know politicized.
0: Yeah. So actually let's let's step into that. That like what is um what what is the biggest. It, I, there are any number of problems with football as you mentioned um but if you could pinpoint one, is it concussions is it um you know the the race relations is it uh the the kind of balance of power what what would you say
1: is maybe the one thing plaguing the sport the yeah first? i mean to me i think I think there's a little bit of a common thread across them, which is a a huge power imbalance between the owners and the players and that that affects, you know, the, the health of the players. It affects, you know, the like free speech of the players. Um, It affects, you know, just like football players, their average careers are very short. They don't have guaranteed contracts. Like in a way that I think in basketball, you've seen that the players are appropriately, I think getting a much bigger share of, the pie and we haven't seen that as much in football and so I think that again going back to sort of who the owners are and the fact that they you know dominate the league in such a way um, I think that that um you know I think a number of the factors sort of stem from from that issue and you know I don't want to I, I feel like I'm you know playing the kind of Negative role here, and like I, I like watching football, and I get why everybody else does and i'm not, I'm not suggesting people shouldn't I just I think that um, I think that for for a variety of reasons, it seems like those issues have stood out a lot more in football than they have in other sports
0: so then let's look ahead let's say fifty years down the line what what are what do we think football is and you could say I mean you could talk about any age. You know whether it's high school, popcorn or college, pro. Like where where is this going? Uh, tell me what it looks like on a Sunday um, in the NFL in 50 years.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I you mean, know, I do think the health one is a big question because you know we've heard a lot of people you know talk about not wanting their kids to play football. Now I think there's still obviously plenty of people playing high school football, and obviously it's a lot of the people who are are pulling their kids out of football are not necessarily people whose kids were going to be playing in the NFL in the first place. Um, but I think that, um, you know, over the long run, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and whether there we do end up with the pipeline of going into the NFL. And especially, you know, right now we're in a place where a lot of the very best athletes in the country are playing football, right? And that's why it ends up being a sport that's played at such a high level. And, if some of the best athletes end up steering their kids away, I mean, we've heard LeBron James saying that he won't let his kids play football. And if that, you know, that trend continues, then, you know, if we end up with the very best athletes in the country, not playing football, but playing other sports, then I think that, you know, will have an effect on uh, the quality of the game relative to other sports.
0: It's interesting. So uh, to me, I'm kind of of two minds of it on the, on the one hand, if they can definitively prove, and I'm, I can. I would say I'm pretty sure that within 50 years they'll be able to do this, if they can show that the effect that one concussion or even one hit to the head—forget about concussion—has on your brain. They can actually show you in an MRI or something like look at this and tie it together. Um, I think that would be pretty damaging. I mean, I think that right now everyone kind of knows what CTE is, and everyone is sort of like, yeah, yeah, sure, we know that this is bad for your brain. But if, but it's the link isn't 100% sure, and you can't show it on a day-to-day basis. But I think if you can all of a sudden print out MRIs and say, hey, like your kid got hit in the head in the third quarter and this, whatever, and now look at what happened to the brain. You can see the little black bar. Um, I think that that would be a pretty difficult thing to overcome. Now, that being said, I think I heard Chuck Klosterman say this on a pod a couple of years ago, but what I think the future may end up looking like even with that is that what they just end up with sort of pockets of diehard football, where, for example, like the SEC, like Deep South... Um, that football doesn't go away there for a, ver- for a variety of reasons. And so maybe the pipelines or the focus um, recruiting efforts or, or professional teams or whatever end up being regionalized in ways they weren't before. So maybe football goes away in parts of California um, and maybe the more pr- progressive areas kind of drop in. People aren't as uh, as inclined to let their kids play. it. Maybe Pop Warner football goes away for the most part completely. Um, But that like high school and college football in places like, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, whatever, it's still there um, and it becomes even more intense in those pockets because that's kind of what everyone is watching now from the outside looking in because in their areas it doesn't exist. I don't know. Um, I also think like there's there's just so much money in it that especially in areas where, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more blue collar that it will still be seen as a way of potentially getting out. And so even if there's some risk of hurting your brain, that uh, that they still go after it. Um, now, I, I don't know. I mean, like I grew up in New Jersey, and New Jersey was a, is a big football state, like really good teams and really mixed demographically. So you know, if I were to imagine like a state where certain pockets have teams and then certain pockets of stuff don't have teams at all, so maybe there's just – instead of instead of there being whatever three four hundred high school teams i I'm, I'm not even sure I'm throwing out that number, maybe they're just a hundred and maybe those schools just recruit uh, for football uh, I, I just think it I could see it being something where it it um it becomes focused in different areas uh geographically and demographically, um, which would make for a pretty interesting like league it, like especially like, the relation to this league it, it would kind of be um, I think there could be some really pro- big problems with that. Uh, whether it's sort of, like, having guilt watching it, not being from those areas. I, I don't know.
1: Um, but I could see that being the future of football. Yeah, I think it's possible. But I do think, like, people love football. There's a ton of money in football. And so I think that, like, notwithstanding all these issues, like, there there will be a lot of momentum to, to keep things going. Um, and, you know, we still see, like, you know, boxing right i mean it's it's you know it's not as popular as it once was but like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that like that's causing brain injuries for people and yet it's still there and like ufc has gotten big and so i think that you know a lot of these sports end up being pretty resilient and it's a little little difficult to predict exactly how they're going to shake out
0: yeah, i totally agree i mean look at boxing just had two different boxers die right in the span of a week um, and it didn't really do anything. Uh, and I think what you're, bas- you're probably pointing out through all this is that as long as the economics are there, nothing's really going to change. Uh, so maybe that's sort of the truth to it. Um, okay, well, I think uh, who knows what it looks like in 50 years, but uh, since we've talked about football in other podcasts, let's move on a little bit, branch out. Uh, I don't know, what sport you want to tackle next, pun intended? Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, should we talk
0: baseball? Yeah, all right. Let's do it. So, you and I are big baseball fans, you know, big rivals, obviously, um, in the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, What is – let's start with the kind of the worst thing. What is the the worst thing Major
1: League Baseball has going for it right now? You know, I think baseball's in a weird place right now because I think the worst thing that's going for it is that most people don't care about baseball, you know, that it's clearly – It's just fallen so far in popularity as compared to football and basketball um, that it's not it doesn't feel like it's part of the national conversation. Um, It seems like, you know, people like you and me still care a lot about our teams, um, but they're and it's it's a sort of a strange thing because right now, you know, we're shattering the records this year for home runs. Right. It's sort of it. It. We, there are a lot of really exciting players in baseball right now, and yet it doesn't seem like that, you know, the population generally cares about it. There are not... Even the big stars, like, there aren't people who are these larger-than-life figures, right? There's no one who's remotely close to, like, a LeBron James or a Tom Brady in, in baseball, even though you have guys who are, you know, on track to be, you know, among the all-time greats. And so I think that's... That's this weird place baseball is in where, um, you know, we can talk about some of the reasons for its unpopularity and, you know, the length of games and all of that. But it's just it's sort of an interesting place where it doesn't. I don't think the quality of the game has you know deteriorated over the last 20 years. Yeah, there are a lot more strikeouts and there are some differences in the game. Um, But it seems like it's just that time is sort of passing baseball by right now. And I think they have not figured out how to fix that. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think that that for sure. I, a couple interesting things I've, I've heard recently about this. One is, um, you know, I, as an example, obviously, I've talked about listening to Bill Simmons' podcast in the past, and um, just recently, his podcast, he's been talking about how it's been a, a completely dead period of content for the last four weeks after having the NBA, NBA Finals, all kinds of other sports culminating a few months back. Uh, or sports highlights and it's so interesting because this is you know it's kind of the dog days but this is when baseball traditionally heats up and he's been referring to it as dead content and he's a huge baseball fan and but I think what he's trying to get at is exactly what you're saying which is it's not content if you like your team and that's it like you watch the Red Sox Red Sox are not having a great year you probably haven't watched much Red Sox they're kind of on the fringe of the playoffs right now um, and so you're probably not paying attention to baseball much at all. And like, I am knee deep in baseball because the Yankees are having a good year. But I mean, once your team is out of it, like that's kind of it. And, and so the question is, I, I think like, how do you possibly get people to buy into watching or following the sport as a whole? Cause like, you know, I like the Giants, but I like football. I will sit down and watch you know, most games, um, unless they're just like two God awful teams, but I just kind of like watching the product in baseball. If you put me down in front of, say like, you know, a Cubs diamondbacks game, that's where you come. Um, if you put me down in front of that game, like, yeah, I might watch if it's bottom of the nines close game, whatever. I might watch a little bit, but even though I know a lot of the players, like i just don't care about the outcome. Um, And and so that's like a pretty interesting thing to happen. I I think this is, and I think I speak for a lot of people that this is kind of how they relate to baseball. Um, And so I do think that's a problem. I I think what you mentioned about uh, kind of not having faces of the sport is a big deal. Um, Like Mike Trout, like we talked about this a a day or two ago um, is just having another monster year. Uh, He's got 43 bombs or something. He's, He's got an OPS of over one. Um, like he has every year, uh, and yeah, people just are just kind of like, "Oh yeah, cool, Mike Trout's good again." It, it's basically like if you had, it, it's LeBron throwing up a twenty-eight-seven-seven every year, and no one caring. Um, or, or, you know, it's, or it's uh, it's if Mahomes were to throw fifty touchdown passes a year, and people are just like, Nah, yeah, that's cool, that's just Mahomes." Like that, it's not the same thing. So I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it is a problem. I think baseball still has tons. Of, you know, they still have a ton of cash. They still have a lot of good TV deals. But I do think when the TV deals expire in, within a couple of years, because I think the ESPN baseball TV deals expires in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and there have been a, these have been huge cash cows. Um, and I don't think there's any guarantee that these things are going to renew at the same amount of money, um, because in addition, it, one of the reasons these were created in the first place was because they were filling gaps. They, you know, ESPN had. X number of hours that they had to find programming, right? They had the they, Monday night baseball, Sunday night baseball, whatever. It was three or four hours of programming. So they, they weren't just buying a product, they were buying um, airtime. And that is not the future of TV, right? Like it is not going to be about, about um, filling airtime when everything is on demand all the time. Um, and so I think the whole model is gonna change. And so the, the question is like, will the Netflixes or the YouTubes or the Facebook's of the world be interested in, in buying baseball as a product, um, and if not, how much will ESPN actually care to buy it again as as they did before um, but anyway en- enough on that uh, to, let's switch gears now because obviously baseball is near and dear to heart so let's talk something positive what what do you think baseball
1: has right now that going for it that is a, is a positive yeah I mean I, I mean I think you know there are these just incredible stars in baseball right now I mean you know Mike trout is like going to go down possibly as you know, the best player since Babe Ruth, right? That's sort of an amazing thing to be seeing. And there are a lot of other really young guys, you know, Christian Yelich and, you know, Mookie Betts and, like, you know, Mike Judge Aaron Judge and, you know, people on... Mike Judge doesn't play. Mike here. Judge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, you just have guys, like, the future is very bright in baseball and, like, the quality of the product on the field, like the players, um, is really high. And so I think that they just need to figure out how to you know, turn on the interest, right? Because like, you know, the, like right, when we grew up, like Ken Griffey Jr., right, was like this huge star. He was, you know, maybe the biggest star in, in sports at the time. And it's not that, like, he wasn't better than Mike Trout, it was just that he, like, captured this moment. Um, and so I think that that's, um, Yeah, I think like the talent is there, like the home runs are up, which people like. And, you know, you think back to, again, like the 98 home run race, right, with McGuire and Sosa that was maybe like, at least in terms of interest in baseball, like the high point of the the modern era of baseball. Um, And what's sort of random with the home run surge right now is that like we're shattering the record this year for the most twenty home run seasons, right It's sort of the most players with yeah. play home runs that it's incredibly widespread um, it's not the people like nobody's gonna hit you know fifty five home runs right. this year, right and so I think that people do really like records in baseball, and so I think that that could be you know if somebody's um, you know making a run on some big record that could start to get people interested do you think? Analytics overall have
0: helped the game or hurt the game? Because I'm kind of torn.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, and just
0: just for people listening, analytics being um, a, a broad sweeping term that uh, references um, a different way of looking at the game, kind of like looking at stats, looking at usage, and, and like kind of a, a deeper level than say traditionally, you know, home runs, RBIs, average, whatever. Now it's there's a big focus on. Um, uh, Kind of things like um, making the, the playing field equal for everyone, you know, adjusting stats uh, for what park you play in. Um, also um, comparing individual people to everyone else in the game to say how much better are you or worse are you than other people at your position. Um, it's trying to basically pull out the stats that matter more towards overall productivity and, in terms of, like, how much does someone um, create a win um, as opposed to in the past where it was just kind of the, the glory stats, like home runs, RBIs, whatever, that ultimately did not necessarily translate to a team winning more games. Anyway, go on.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the movement from my kind of analytical perspective. I think it probably has hurt the game in terms of people watching because part of it is that, like, if you were going to make the argument now about who's the best player in baseball, right, the argument is going to be, like, entirely on paper right? It's going to be like, oh, look at this guys, Babbitt, and like, you know, kind of comparing all the numbers, and it's not, you know, it's now unfashionable to be like, oh, I watched this. Did you see that catch Mike Trout made in center? Like, that was amazing. He's the best player in baseball, right? That's sort of not the the terms of the debate, and so it's almost like you don't actually need to watch baseball to, like, have opinions about who's the best team and who's the best player, and that's not true now, in other right? Like, I mean, in football, it's like, Everybody saw that Odell Beckham catch, right? And that was like, oh, my God, he's the best receiver. And it's not because he, like, has 17 yards per reception, right? It's because you watched him play and thought he was incredible. And so I think that that sort of combined with the long season, but there's just this perception that, like, you – that it's not about like watching the the beauty of the game and watching like, Oh my God, look at that guy's slider. Yeah. It's like, no, let's figure out what is, you know, K per nine. Inning yeah, is.
0: It, totally. So I, the, what I said, I fall on both sides of the issue. Um, I was thinking about this. So I love seeing how hard people hit the ball. Right. I think everyone does. When you see like someone hit it 117 miles an hour or, or whatever. Um, and it's, the third hardest ball hit this year. Those, those things are really cool. Um, it's just like when you go bowling and, and you know, you and Gus have those uh, moments of trying to bowl hard. You know, people, you, you get excited about silly things like that. Um, but I, I saw in today's Yankee game, actually, um, DJ LeMay, he was, uh, kind of a utility guy who's having a great season for the Yankees. He led off the game. He hit 109 mile per hour line drive like fly ball line drive to center field. Um it went like four hundred feet. Um and according to statistics, it is that that profile of a hit is a base hit. In other words, someone doesn't catch it for an out ninety eight point nine percent of the time. And in this case, it was a fly ball out. And it's like one of those moments of like, so what are we what are we even doing here? Right. It's like, yeah. So you're telling me that that 99 times out of hundred, that's a hit, but it wasn't in this case. And so it's exactly your point. It's like, I don't even know what to do with that information. Like someone not watching the game can point to that and make all kinds of conclusions about like the type of season he's having. But if you actually watch the game, you're like, oh man, that guy crushed it and just kind of got unlucky that type of observation or feeling it doesn't exist anymore it is it is like kind of infuriating um yeah it's it's really weird yeah um okay so baseball in in 50 years so i'm gonna i'll start off uh by saying a couple of things i think um robot umps i'm pretty sure so i remember when when they were debating replay a couple of years back everyone was like oh whatever like Look, well, if you look at the statistics, they're only gonna ask for replay reviews like once or twice a game. It's not gonna be that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. And what happens? They actually ask for them all the time because um people the umps make bad calls all the time. Now, like do I think they're a little bit ridiculous with all these like fancy slides where you happen to get your hand in and now it's reviewed and they're safe because they just didn't like I think that's a little bit insane, but like look, they're they're gonna be accurate now that they have these cameras. And my view on current state of balls and strikes is that it's untenable, that people are just getting too pissed off, whether it's the fans or the players. So I do think robot umps are coming. Um, uh, so that's, that's one thing um, for sure. Uh, and then the other thing I was thinking is that I, I, I think they're going to be, um, I think the DH will be in both leagues. I think they're going to they're gonna have to find ways to simply make the game more exciting in a shorter period of time. So, whether that's, like, more better hitters, like the DH or whatever, um, making the pitchers work faster, fewer substitutions, uh, lowering the mound, you know, they already changed the ball and they're already going back to a different ball next year, different types of bats. I don't know. But I do think that they're going to run into um, issues uh, in terms of, like, attention span as, like, the current, like, 10-year-olds grow up into the game.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's a fascinating area for baseball because... You know, if you, were, if you were really trying to figure out, like, how would we make baseball exciting in a way that was going to get lots of people interested in watching it and sort of younger people who have not been exposed, you'd probably make some really radical changes, right? I mean, you might make games six innings long. You might have a strikeout be two strikes and a walk be three balls. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, totally, there's a lot of stuff that you could... Like, really, you know, you might change the number of fielders. You might, like, you know, there's just, there are a lot of things that you could change. And what's hard about Maybe this like
0: oh, MLB Blitz. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? I
1: mean, that's like, I think that's the, I think you might need to make some pretty dramatic changes to have people suddenly get really excited about it. And I think the challenge is that because baseball is the most sort of, the sport that's the most based on history, right, and the sport where people get most upset if you change things, right? I mean, think about the change change in baseball, right? Like, the mound got raised by, like, six inches, like, 18 inches or something, and that was, like, that was a dramatic change in, like, 1969, right? It was 50 years (laughs) ago, and people still talk about that change. Like, there's been nothing comparable to, like, adding a three-point line in basketball, right, adding a shot clock. Like, those are big changes to the game that made the game you know most people think more exciting and more dynamic and people people are very afraid of making those changes to America's pastime and I think some of it is also that people care so much more about stats in baseball and so if you if you made a game six innings then it's like oh my god all these no hitters in six innings right or all these other changes where it would a lot it would make it very difficult to compare it to the past which so, is also
0: kind of insane right because I mean, you look back at the equipment, for example, they had 70, 80 years ago, it was nothing like today. The, the field dimensions were completely different. Um, the, the strength and conditioning, I mean, it, it, it is a game today. You had no black today. players. <laughs> yeah, good mm.
1: of that. <laughs> so, Yeah, and so it felt kind of silly, but I think it's still true that a big base of people who do like baseball are people who are a little bit old-timey in that way. And so you'd you just have to balance trying to bring in new fans with, you know, not alienating all the people that you already have.
0: It's funny, right? They, they, they try to change these games. They, they try to make little tweaks to make them sort of more exciting to see if that'll do it. So baseball right now in the minor leagues, um, they're, they're trying a pitch clock in certain, not all the minor leagues, but some of the divisions. Um, and they're also in extra innings. I don't know if it's, maybe it's double A, I can't remember. They're, they're starting with a man on second base. Um, so if you get in the 10th, 11th inning, it's no outs and there's a runner on second base and and you have to go from there in order to make the games kind of end sooner. Um, they're also instituting a rule next year where the minimum number of batters a pitcher can face in the major leagues, I think is three, right? So you can no longer just bring in a pitcher for one batter. Um, then they're doing all these little tweaks and it reminds me like, like, I don't ultimately think a lot of these things are going to change much at all. I mean, it reminds me of what they tried to do when the, the XFL or whatever, that other NFL league that came out a few years back, it was like, you know, no kickoffs. Uh, like um, originally they had people like running at each other to grab the ball. I can't remember. But they had little tweaks to the game um, where you could like go in motion in different ways, kind of like arena football. Um, and none of them were that interesting or different to make the, the, the game itself more appealing. They they're trying to make the league appealing in different ways but the game itself wasn't more appealing. Um, uh, and so that's one of the things where, like, y- you think to yourself, what if they did make, like, an NFL Blitz version of the NFL? And I realize it would be probably a little dangerous, but, but, like, what if they took baseball and did create a different baseball league um, where it had some of those tweaks like you're talking about? Like, like they've done with cricket, right? Like, cricket did not used to have the short-season cricket, or whatever they call it, where, where it was only one day instead of four days or something, or three hours instead of four days. Um, you say what you will about cricket, but they 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 made some adjustments there. So um, I I think they're going to need to. I think they're going to lose a lot. Like people aren't going to want to sit and watch three or four hours. People are definitely not going to want to go to a game and sit there and watch for three or four hours. Um, so I don't know. I, again, I think it, you come back to economics. It's going to be whether or not these these big deals still exist. Whether or not uh, that content needs to be out there. Um In the way that it is currently, um, but yeah, i I feel like baseball out of all the games, um, baseball may be the most different in fifty years just because viewership drops a ton. I don't know,
1: yeah, I think that might be right. I think just one thing that's maybe a little different about the economics of baseball is just that you know you've got each team has eighty one home games, and the stadiums hold you know yeah, thirty to fifty thousand people and so if you you're a little less dependent on TV. I mean, there's still a lot of money on TV, but if you can mostly fill your stadium for 80 games a year, um, that's you know a lot more ticket revenue than you're seeing in football games and um, I think in basketball games. Um, and so there's just, um, so some of it is, you know, can you keep attracting people to go to the games, even if it's not quite as you know, viral content that the whole country is paying attention to?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very true. Um, all right, let's, uh, I want to finish with basketball. I think that will be more fun. We can, let's touch on hockey. Admittedly, my hockey knowledge is pretty limited. I think Josh, you're a slightly bigger hockey fan than I am. Um, so we'll start with you. Uh, what is, what is the biggest problem facing hockey at the moment?
1: I mean, I'd say, like, the biggest problem facing hockey is probably that, like, if you or I got a mosquito bite right now, that would probably affect our lives more than if, like there was a lockout <laughs> that canceled next <laughs> NHL season. <laughs> so. What is it? Why, why do we not care? It's funny, you know, because when I watch hockey, which is once a year during the playoffs, usually during overtime yeah. <laughs> in a game... It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like playoff hockey is really exciting. It's going live to hockey games is really fun, and hockey has actually benefited a lot from big screen TVs in HD because now you can actually see the puck, which you couldn't see on like a 19 inch standard definition TV. Um, And you know, like I think like a lot of my friends from Boston are really into hockey and um, and are devoted to it. But I think hockey has just become a much more regional sport. You know, it's it's got sort of pockets of fans who are really focused on it, but there's just no like national conversation about hockey, at least in the US, you know, in Canada and other countries. Yeah, true. Obviously there is. Um but um yeah, so I I don't know that I know enough about like how to fix hockey. I mean I remember they they tried that glowing puck once and that didn't seem to do the trick. Well, yeah,
0: they've tried a bunch of things. they tried the glowing puck. they tried the other, the, the blue line line, or not the blue line. They're, they're like an offside line yeah, or something. Yeah, offside's rule change. Oh, the offside rule change, yeah, thanks. Um, they've they've tried things, uh, I think, to make it more appealing. There are obviously more goals being scored now that there's no two-line pass, I think, is the change. Um, uh, shootouts are still kind of fun. You know, they're big hits. Um I don't know. I do think you, you, what you said was right, though. It's kind of like if you grow up with hockey, you're a hockey fan. And it, it's like with the other sports, you can kind of adopt them, but hockey is either kind of in your blood or not. I know my friend Kevin, um, growing up, is a huge hockey fan, huge Rangers fan, and, you know, be like, Rangers in the playoffs, and they'll be excited, and I'll be like, I don't, hockey playoffs are going on? I, the Rangers have a team? I don't even know. Um, I uh, Sometimes I, I do wonder about, like, the video game impact of some of these things having like gone away that like this is a small thing, but I remember growing up, like I I played a lot of sports video games. Ken Griffey junior baseball was my favorite baseball game. Played that with JJ for hours. Um, You know, Madden Madden football was awesome. And NHL was a great game. Like I remember NHL 94 or 97, one of those, the devils were awesome in one of those. And like Chris Chelios was on that team. Martin Burbure was like a rookie and I, I actually, it's Scott Stevens. Like, I liked that game enough that I paid attention to hockey, and I think the Devils won a Stanley Cup in like ninety. I do say ninety six or ninety seven. I'm sure I'll be corrected later. And I was interested because of the video game, and and then like something happened, and I, I just was not as interested. Maybe it was almost like the the hockey video games got too good and too real, or whatever, the video cameras and everything. Like, I just didn't find the gameplay that fun. Um, and I was yearning for the days of like the, you know, the skinny, the middle and the fat hockey players in original ice hockey or whatever. That, it wasn't, was it, I forget which ice hockey game it was, but like the simplicity of the old school, uh, like kind of hockey was, was fun and it was gone. Um, and I don't know if that's a piece of this, but I just oh, lost interest. Also, I will say, and then I want to hear what, what you were about to say, the, um, as far as I understand it, I could be wrong. Analytics, it's very difficult to apply analytics to hockey. Um, I don't really know why, but I've heard that, and I wonder if if that is a, also a piece of why the popularity isn't isn't quite there. Oh, but what were we gonna say on that?
1: Yeah, no, I didn't have a lot to add. I was just uh, gonna reminisce about Bases Loaded too. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great game. <laughs> that was an excellent excellent game. Oh, the whole Bases Loaded
0: series. Oh man, I remember that. That was that was uh, one of the first ones where they showed the camera view from behind the pitcher. Do you remember that instead of behind the hitter?
1: That's right.
0: Um, Oh, that was a good game. All right. Uh, so I guess best thing going for
1: hockey. What, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I think just playoff hockey is continues to be very exciting. But I, um,
0: yeah. at least let me let me throw one thing out there. At least it seems like in hockey they've been willing to make more dramatic changes. So they, I think they shortened the season significantly, right? A couple years back, yeah. We don't, need to know. We don't even know. I, <laughs> I think they shortened the season. And they also, like, that offsides rule change was actually a really that was a big, big change. change. Um, and they've also very much changed the way salary structures work. I think the teams aren't quite as dumb as they used to be about handing out giant contracts. So maybe they've made some more fundamental changes based on the realities of the economics. But
1: Yeah, I think we've, we have uh, plumbed the depths of our hockey knowledge right here.
0: <laughs> so, so what is hockey in 50 years?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going away. It's still very popular in the places where it's popular. Um, and I don't know. I just, I don't see it, you know, displacing other sports. And I'm not sure that it really has the ambition necessarily to, to do that. Um, I mean, I think the hockey, I mean, the concussions issue in hockey, right? People don't really talk about it as much, at least like, you know, in the national conversation, because people don't focus on it as much. But like, I mean, that was my parents didn't let me play hockey, not because they were worried about concussions, but because they said they liked my full set of teeth. (laughs) And, like, I mean, hockey is just like a devastating sport from like the concussion perspective and everything else. And so I think it's going to have like, you know, very similar issues to football. And I think it's hard to, I mean, you could remove hitting from hockey, but I think that's going to, you know, change a lot of people's interest in the sport so it'll be interesting to see whether there's you know a way to fix the sport uh, like from a health perspective that that retains its popularity
0: it's interesting though because maybe you're right that maybe hockey's the game that changes the least because there is just like a fundamental brutality to the sport that people seem to have just accepted the people who watch it or play it right um and so maybe that doesn't change because it's not in the spotlight there isn't as much pressure on it i don't know um and, you know, they seem to have worked out the economics of it now so that it's stable. Um, they, the teams are kind of located in, in areas that have a pretty sound hockey base. And they've made some some bigger rule adjustment recently. So maybe they're kind of more ahead of some of their leagues and in, 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 in trying to predict
1: what type of product will be appealing. Um it's possible. I mainly just hope that no one who actually knows anything about hockey listens to yeah. this podcast. We'll see if Kevin actually
0: <laughs> listens to it or not. Um, the only thought I had, the only thought I had is if, if, if it becomes even more regionalized, kind of as you were uh, talking about, maybe more teams do move to Canada. Um, although, you know, if the ice keeps melting, maybe there are fewer hockey rinks north of the border anyway. Um, but in any event, uh, yeah. So what, all we've proven over the last couple minutes of minutes content is that neither you nor I know anything about hockey. So cheers to that. Um, All right. So actually, before we touch on basketball, soccer, I guess we should mention because I I guess it's growing in popularity. I feel like every five years someone says, no, 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 now soccer is like really gaining. It really is. Trust me, guys. And I'm kind of like, all right, like I'll believe it when I see it. Like like you mentioned this at the beginning about um, about football in the future. Um, I've always thought that soccer's biggest problem was that it doesn't the best athletes, the best American athletes don't play it. Like I remember listening to a podcast years ago where they someone's talking about how Allen Iverson, as an example, probably would have been an amazing soccer player if you just watched him play basketball. But those guys like never played soccer. Michael Jordan, whoever. Um, uh, And so you know I'll start it off by saying I still think the biggest problem with soccer right now, and granted it's a growing popularity in the U.S. Obviously it's by far the most popular sport in the world. Is the fact that the best athletes in the U.S. don't play it. Um, and so the the recognizable faces end up being these like older like European transplants who come over to make money and 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 play in the U.S. for a couple of years, uh, and then they're they're like the exciting guys to watch, even though they're not the best players. You know, Beckham wasn't the best when he was playing for the Galaxy, and Rooney I, I think he just left. I think I don't even know who he was playing playing for. Um, so I would say that's still the problem. I, I don't know if when that changes. Um, uh, I know. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I don't really see that changing anytime soon. I agree that people have kind of talked about, oh, like the U.S. is like, you know, moving in the right direction, and maybe, but I'm not really convinced that it is. I will say, you know, the U.S. for the first time has like a world class star in Christian Pulisic, um, who's now playing for Chelsea. And so he's really the first guy we've ever had who's like a real international star. And so it'll be fun to see him on the U.S. team, assuming that we... Poor I guess, I guess for, we will make poor poor to enough for the World Cup because when it's here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pour one out for Freddie Adu. You, um, you know, I think that what's interesting is that I think popular soccer or professional soccer is growing in the U.S., but it's not the MLS. It's that now people in the U.S. are a lot more interested in the Premier League and in other leagues around the world, and those are actually televised here, and so you can, you know, there are deals, you know, you can watch on NBC and see, you know, Manchester United playing, and, and so I think that I think that the that, that sports growing in popularity from that perspective, I, you know, I don't know exactly what the trajectory of the MLS is, but I don't think that it doesn't seem like it's, as you said, been successful in getting, you know, good players in its prime, I mean, it's still, you know, not remotely comparable to, to other leagues around the world, and so I think that it may be that the Um, in terms of popularity of soccer in the U S it's really the growing interest in international soccer in the U S as opposed to that we're actually ever going to have like a world-class domestic soccer league. Um, And I think, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll generate more homegrown U S players, but I do think that it's, uh, you know, yeah, as you said, the best athletes in the U S are, are not playing soccer. And, so, although although you know we all grew up playing soccer, and kids continue to grow up playing soccer, um, I don't I don't really see us making big moves um, in that direction.
0: I guess you could say, like maybe because fewer people play football, maybe they migrate to soccer in places where those seasons overlap, like they do for on the East Coast, for example. Um, maybe some of those athletes play soccer longer. Um, I mean, I always liked soccer. I just went away from it when I got to high school. Um, uh, your, your comment about Pulisic is obviously true. That guy's good. One of the one of the amazing things about soccer, of course, is that when the U.S. makes the World Cup, the entire country gets excited. Like, it, it's this weird thing. It's like you turn on your soccer fandom for a couple of weeks, right? And then, and then when the U.S. inevitably flames out, it's like, all right, we'll see you in four years. And then this past World Cup, they didn't even make it. And what should have been, like, you know, which was a really, really big deal. They didn't make it. Most people are like, okay, cool. I guess we'll see him in, in four
1: years. Yeah, like um, you know, Costa, uh, you know, half a generation of soccer fans. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't, didn't tune in. <laughs> um, yeah, so
0: I, I don't know. I guess the future the future of soccer, we'll see where MLS goes. I know that people, like the Timbers fans are nuts. Um. So I think there are places where regionally people get really into it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. So let's close then by talking about the NBA. Uh, yeah. Let's start with what you think the NBA, the best thing it has
1: going for it right now. I think it's just, I think the, the players are just sort of a great product in the NBA. You know, they're, they're just a lot of, I mean, they're obviously great players, but they're just big personalities. And so people really care about, you know, a lot of different players in the NBA, and um, and so I think that's part of what drives like the the whole conversation outside the the regular season um, and outside just watching the games. Um, and you know, I think the players have obviously gotten a lot more power and a lot more say. And I think you know, whether the super teams are good or bad, ultimately for basketball, I think that they certainly generate a lot of interest, generate a lot of conversation, um, and. So I think that that, um, in addition to like the quality of the play and just the, um, the sort of pace of play right now that I think a lot of people find very exciting, it's just like, you know, it's a lot of big personality. People feel like they know the players and they have relationships with the players. The players are very active on social media and there's just a real connection that people have to basketball that I think is different from pretty much all of the other sports at this particular moment.
0: Yeah, I I mean I think that's right. I think it's it's super interesting to see how impacted players are by the responses they get from people on their social media accounts. And we can talk about the the flip side of that in a second um and how that can be a negative, but uh it people feel like they're actually in the lives of these NBA players, which is kind of amazing. Um these guys, the access is, is incredible. They do podcasts, they do their own shows like um You know the boardroom, like whether or not you whether you like it or you hate it, it's it's still kind of an amazing thing that exists. Like all these uh, breakdowns that Kobe does now on ESPN. Um, There's it's just the just the fact even that the show wasn't ultimately successful. The fact that there was a TV show, which was watching live games with just a couple of ex players doing kind of random commentary on it, not even like doing color, or play by play, just like talking about it. The fact that that was a show is crazy. No, it was a terrible show, but it was still a show. Um, but then I'm going to add one thing to what you just said, which was uh, I, I haven't been around, been a huge uh, basketball fan for that long, but I mean, I started watching basketball in the 90s um, and the, in my lifetime, the product has definitely never been better. Like it's it's so good right now. Um, I mean, whether it's, it's Curry hitting like a Curry or Lillard hitting consistent 36 footers. Um, I mean, I don't know if you read, but apparently Harden is developing a a three pointer off one foot. That's his new move. Like literally he is like a one footed three pointer and he's going to try to, I mean, that's the rumor, at least. Uh, and that's just going to be commonplace. Um, I mean, these dudes like, the skills are just crazy; they're so awesome uh I mean, if you took like someone like Curry and you put him in the league in the in the sixties, it'd be like well there's no three point I can't remember what three pointer was, and there are no black people in the league either, but you know you get- you get my point right like the game was just there was nothing like like it is today um I mean, so I think that is i think talent does swing. So, I think like we might be in a in a good spot here, and in ten years we might be back to where we were in the early 2000s or late nineties or whatever um, where the product wasn't as good um, so we'll see, but right now, it does seem like it is at its apex um, historically uh, and just the the amount of focus all year round, like I think Scott said uh, at some point to us recently that the NBA offseason is more exciting than the MLB regular season, which is 100% true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like what's what do you think is the, the NBA's biggest problem?
1: You know, I think I mean I think what's interesting is that I think the, NF, the NBA has been really successful in avoiding a lot of the scandals that have plagued other sports. And it's not clear to me that those don't exist in the NBA, but just that they've managed them better. I mean, I think some of it is they've acted decisively with, like the Donald Sterling thing, they handled that, you know, very well. I think that I think there's a lot of stuff like lurking under the surface that people aren't asking a lot of questions about and that you know, like basically no one ever gets suspended for PEDs in the NBA. And, like, do we think that's because nobody's using them or just because, like, it's, you know, they don't have a very good testing regimen or things are getting beat, you know? It's it's just, that part seems a little implausible to me. Um, And then I think other stuff like that, um, you know, like the, there was that, you know, additional expose of the whole, like, Tim Donaghy thing that just seems like that was a lot more far-reaching than the, NBA credited and again they managed to sort of bottle that up and so this is, I mean it's not really an answer to your question of what's the worst thing but I, I think it's that, you know, there's always the risk of these things coming out and I think they've been both very successful in sort of tamping that stuff down and a lot of people aren't interested in asking a lot of questions and that's fine, I'm not, I'm not advocating for anything but I think that um, you know there's always the potential for you know some new issue like that to sort of compromise the the game Um, but so far i don't know i I don't have a lot of complaints about the nba right now i think it's uh it's just it's a lot of fun to watch
0: so i'm going to throw out three ideas to you and i agree like i really like watching the nba these days so i'm going to throw three ideas about what problems that i do think they need to solve or or consider one is this whole um, apparent problem they have with mental health um it does sound like a lot of players you know they're they're these guys are big stars they can't go in public they're on the road all the time they don't really have lives outside their hotel rooms during the season when they're traveling and all these random places. They get sucked into social media 24-7. I mean, it sounds like Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is is in touch with this. So I think there's the, – the mental health issues in the NBA are specific because of the, the social media pressures that exist with the NBA that don't exist as much with um, some of the other leagues. So that's something I think will be interesting to see how they deal with it. Um, then two, like, specific – kind of game construction things or or league construction one is the draft i still think the draft is problematic i mean i think that changing it so the top four teams have the same odds or the worst four teams have the same odds instead of just the worst team having the same uh, the the best odds to get the first pick in the draft every year helps a little bit i mean i think you saw with the way the ping pong balls fell this year like the you know, the New Orleans getting the number one overall pick and they only had a 2% chance of getting it. The Lakers were obviously getting the fourth pick and they did not have a good shot at getting it. So I think that what, what you're seeing is that the tanking or the losing on purpose that a lot of these teams have done to get the high picks has not been as effective. I still think that the, uh, there's, the draft is not a, a perfect product. And I don't know exactly how you solve that, um, but it'll still so be interesting. Don't need to go into that in detail now. But it'll be interesting to see if they tweak it further. The other thing, which I think is is potentially more problematic, is just this whole player empowerment thing. Not that I don't think the players should have power. I think that's great. But I do think like the the whole con- the consideration with regard to demanding trades in the middle of contracts. Uh, I mean, it's I don't I don't know what they do because you know for a long time they had these six seven year deals. Players were getting way too much money. So they shortened those. Now the max contract is five years, in some cases four. Um, and so you might have guys in their last year demanding a trade. Um, and okay, okay, fine. So you you trade them in their fourth or fifth year and, and you figure it out. When um, the team trading the guy gets some salary relief because the contract coming off the books, something like that. But now you've got guys like Davis, Anthony Davis on the Falcons, basically demanding a trade with you Know a year and a half left on his deal. Um, and, and you've also got people like Kawhi Leonard, um, basically forcing this insane trade where, um, you know, the Clippers give up every lottery pick they've got for the next seven years, um, to get Paul George from, um, uh, from Oklahoma City, um, and on top of that, he doesn't even sign, um, Kawhi Leonard doesn't even sign a max deal with the Clippers to go there. He signs a three-year deal with, with, I think it's two years with a, with a player option for the third. So it, these teams have to mortgage their future just to get these guys for maybe one or two years, whether they demand a trade or they just only sign, you know, like what Durant's been signing with the, with the Warriors, a, a one-year with a player option type thing. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if there's any way to solve that because um, whether it's a four-year deal, a seven-year deal, or a two-year deal, if a player's unhappy and wants to get out of there, there's only so much that the, the management can do of the team. Um, but it's not great um, for continuity of the league. It feels like they just kind uh, of you know, throw, throw it up every year and see where the chips land and the teams are all different every year. And maybe that's fine. Maybe, like, people can can get excited about that in the the current, like, kind of short attention span culture, but um, it's a very different product than it used to be, and I I imagine it being hard to, you know, have allegiances to teams when the people are trading places all the time. I I don't know. That was a lot of rambling, but do you have any thoughts on that specifically? Uh,
1: No, I think that's, I mean, I think we're in a place now where a lot of people are, like, fans of individual players more so than teams at least for some of the fans and, and I think that's um you know that's a change I think it's not I don't know that it's necessarily bad for the sport overall I think it's you know it it makes a lot of traditionalists unhappy um get off my lawn <laughs> um I you know I, I think with the player and stuff I think we just have to see where it goes a little bit I think that the um you know, right now we really have one example of somebody demanding a trade like a year and a half before the contract expired, right? Which was Anthony Davis. And maybe, maybe we'll see that as a continuing thing, but you know, it's hard to do because teams can say no at that point and can wait. And that was a little bit of a unique situation. So I'm not sure that we're, um, I think we'll just have to see how, how widespread that is. Um, and you know, the Kawhi Leonard situation was a, uh, um, was also pretty, Unique, but I don't think it's necessarily. I guess I'm not that worried about the future of the league on that aspect. I also just think that, you know, the league has been pretty proactive in responding to issues, right? With the draft, they've made changes. um, With, uh, you know, I mean, Adam Silver has shown himself willing to, you know, try to tackle problems in in pretty aggressive ways. Um, So I do think that. If next year there are five guys who have a year and a half left on their contract for demanding trades that, you know, they're likely to take some kind of action there. So
0: then real quick, NBA in fifty years, four point line, ten point line? I don't know. What
1: what Yeah, I don't know. I could see a four point line at some point. Um you know, I think I think people would you know, people would find it exciting. Um, I, I I would not vote for it now, but I just you know, I think the NBA is the league that has Change the rules the most out of all of them. Um, and I would expect that to uh, probably continue um, if there's a point when, you know, things are feeling a little bit stale. Um, so I don't know. I mean, years is a long time, so hard to say, but I mean, it certainly, it, it feels like the future is very bright for the league.
0: All right. Well, with that, um, I think we will end it. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. That was a, a super fun Sunday night, uh, holiday weekend conversation. Scott, we missed you, but uh, hopefully we can find some time to do a pod next weekend after the first week of NFL games, um, and I will get back into the win column. Um, But for now, uh, Josh, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, we will leave it there. Uh, So have a nice weekend, everyone, and talk to you next time.